Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. It's just a beautiful truth and a beautiful hope that we as the people of God have, that the world does not have, that we can invite them into this hope. This is the hope of the resurrection. This is the hope of eternal life. This is the hope of the everlasting kingdom of God that we have been brought into through Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Daniel chapter 7. Now here's Pastor Brian. So the Roman Empire began about Began, began to rise to power about 150 years before the time of Christ. And the Roman Empire, in its Western version, now we have to realize that Rome had a, a Western and an Eastern Empire. So the Western Empire, which was centered in Rome, I think it was in the, in the 400s, it was conquered. But the Eastern Empire went on for another thousand years. The Eastern Empire wasn't conquered until I, I think it was, we should have looked these dates up today, but, but sometime in the 1400s. I mean, think about that. The, East, the, the Roman Empire was still existing in the 1400s, the Eastern version of it. Now, the Eastern version was conquered by Islam. The Western version was conquered by the German tribes. And then the Western Empire sort of morphed into a bunch of smaller versions of Rome. And there was a a period of time where it was called the Holy Roman Empire. So Caesar was no longer ruling the region. The popes were ruling the region. But they saw themselves as an extension of Caesar. So even though there's still Roman influence that's come all the way down to us today in so many different ways. I mean, if you go to the Capitol and you look at all of those magnificent buildings like the uh, Supreme Court and some of the different buildings there, you know, that's all built after Roman architecture. It was all saying something about this empire wanting to be connected back with that empire. So, but of course, today we don't think, unless we're really digging into this stuff, we don't think of it in terms of the, extent, the extension of the Roman Empire. And of course, in many ways, that is no longer the case. But this 10 horns is the future Roman Empire. Now, when I say Roman Empire, it doesn't mean that it's going to be exactly the way it was previously. But I do think it means that the center of power will probably be where it was originally. But the Ten Kings, we used to think the Ten Kings were related to the, the European Union and the, and the number of nations there. Um, but what is happening here is that 
these 10 kings give their authority to the little horn, and that means world dominion. So it could be that the 10 kings rule various regions of the world, and at some point, whether agreeably or by force, they capitulate to this one who then has world dominion. Now, we've been talking about this for years, and it's funny because in so many ways where the world is more poised today than it's ever been to set up a global situation, there's probably more denial of that happening now than there has been in the past. But, but listen to this. I'm going to quote to you from John Lennox, my favorite author on Daniel. He said this. He said, a world government, we have never seen anything like this in history, but it is far from being a wild idea. In recent times, nations have felt the need to form international organizations like the United Nations in order to help the balance of power, police the world, and keep peace. However, the UN has had a mixed record and some very influential leaders have suggested and still do that the only real solution to the world's political and social problems is an international government. In 1946, in the aftermath of the Second World War, Albert Einstein wrote this. A world government must be created which is able to solve conflicts between nations by judicial decision. This government must be based on a clear-cut constitution, which is approved by the governments and nations, and which gives it the sole disposition of offensive weapons. Lennox then quotes from the Stanford Philosophical Dictionary, and here's the definition. World government refers to the idea of all humankind united under one common political authority. Arguably, it has not existed so far in human history. Yet proposals for a unified global political authority have existed since ancient times in the ambition of kings, popes, and emperors, and dreams of poets and philosophers. So this is an old idea. And it's an old idea that has not gone away. And there is massive movement in this direction in the world today. Now, let's go back to this for a moment here. So we need to think now about this little horn. And I'd encourage you to read maybe, you know, later or maybe before next time. Read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. Because in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Paul is describing the same thing that Daniel is seeing. And the same thing that John would describe in Revelation chapter 13. So Paul has his version of it. John has his version of it. And Daniel has his version of it. But this is the first place in the Bible where this person that we commonly call the Antichrist appears. This is the first place. And he is referred to as this little horn. 
Now, a horn is a symbol of power. So it's speaking of his power. Notice the, the horn has eyes. So it's speaking of his knowledge. But the most significant thing about the horn is its mouth. And with its mouth, he blasphemes God. So he is the great blasphemer. And that is seen in um, Revelation. And that is also hinted at with Paul. But let's look at it. So speaking of the little horn, verse 24, the 10 horns are 10 kings who will come from this fourth kingdom. After them, another king will arise. Different from the earlier ones, he will subdue three kings. He, look at the personal pronoun here. He will speak against the Most High, oppress the holy people, and try to set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hand for a time times and a half a time. I just want to emphasize him, he, his. We're talking about a person. We're not talking about an idea. We're not talking about a state government, although there's going to be that component. We're talking about a person, a leader, who is going to do these things. Now, the interesting time calculation here, a time times and a half a time, is a time is a year, times is two years, half a time is half a year. So we're talking about a three and a half year period. We find an exact parallel in Revelation chapter 12 and 13. So there's, there is this, this three and a half year period of time. But the court will sit and his power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. This reminds me of what Paul says to the Thessalonians, because when Paul's speaking of this person, he says concerning Christ that he will destroy him with the, with the breath of his lips and with the brightness of his coming. Now, remember, here in the passage, we have this figure, the Son of Man. And so this is, like I said, this is Jesus' favorite way to refer to himself. And he's using it for those two reasons I mentioned. He's identifying with us as a human being, but he's also identifying with his figure in Daniel chapter 7. And maybe you remember, but in the trial of Jesus, when the high priest said to him, he said, I adjure you by the living God. I, I command you by God to tell us whether you are the Messiah. And Jesus said, it is as you say, and from now on, you will see the Son of Man at the right hand of power. So Jesus says, I am. I am the Messiah. I am the one in Daniel 7. And there's coming a time when, as it says here, all the kingdoms of the world are going to be brought into subjection to him. Now, that time has not yet happened. 
We just look around and we can see. Remember when Jesus ascended into heaven, what what was stated about him in the Psalms and what was the case when he arrived in heaven? Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. So, you know, some would suggest that Jesus is reigning presently. Well, in a sense, he is because he's the sovereign God of the universe. But in the, the sense that he will reign, he is not yet reigning because he's sitting at the right hand of the Father until his enemies are made his footstool. And that's what we are waiting for. And the enemies include all of those who continue in their rebellion against him and all of those who find themselves ultimately in league with this person, this, this little horn that is referred to here in Daniel. Now, this, this stuff is amazing. It's powerful. And yet, there, there is still enough mystery to it that we have to be careful not to recklessly or unwisely throw these things out and in doing so kind of undermine our own witness to people. And, and this has happened over and over and over again. I mean, all of this stuff, it already sounds like so far out there that how can you, be, how can you even believe this? Were it not for the fact that the world itself is all in alignment with all of the things that are talked about. I mean, it, it, w- it would be like, wow, this, this seems so amazing. So I think this is a, a, a wonderful, it's a wonderful comfort for us. Like I said in the beginning, it completely comforts me. It's a wonderful comfort for us. It's a great hope of the church, the blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said to Titus. And it's also something that as we speak to people, we speak about a kingdom to come. And we're not talking about a kingdom that we are going to produce. We are a manifestation of the kingdom. And we want to do our part to influence the world in a kingdomly way, a kingdom of Christ way, as much as we can. But the kingdom will come with the Son of Man. And only then. So I think this is a... It's just, it's just a beautiful truth and a beautiful hope that we as the people of God have, that the world does not have, that we can invite them into this hope. This hope. This is, this is the hope of the resurrection. This is the hope of eternal life. This is the hope of the everlasting kingdom of God that we have been brought into through Jesus So, court will sit. His power will be taken away and completely destroyed forever. Then, the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. His kingdom will be an everlasting kingdom, and all rulers will worship and obey him. So, notice there's a a succession here. There's an order. And 
It is when his power is taken away, when this last great rebellion has been crushed by Christ, then the sovereignty, power, and greatness of all the kingdoms under heaven will be handed over to the holy people of the Most High. So that's the future. That's what we wait for. Now, we don't know when this is going to happen. I think, I mean, we we can have kind of a, you know, this, this is a hard one because... You know, you think, well, we can, we can kind of have a you know, relative idea of when it's going to happen. But we have to always be careful not to jump ahead of the Lord with this. And so many people have done this over and over and over and over and over and over again. And we, we, we don't want to keep repeating those mistakes. So we look at the world we see that in, in so many ways it is being set up for all of this kind of stuff. And in some ways it looks like, well, this could just happen next week. But then in other ways, we know that God is on a completely different timetable than we are. And what we might imagine happening in a few weeks could be a few decades. Because God is just, you know... If I've discovered anything in my own personal life is God is not working according to my time schedule. And if I could say that about my own personal life, I think I could say that about the larger picture of the world. God's not working on our time schedule. And and so, you know, we, we look at things. And let me just remind you, and I think this is a very significant thing. I think that Israel being in the land from 1948 is very significant. But, you know, from the moment of 1948 on, Many, many people have thought, okay, it's going to come, it's going to come, it's going to come, and it has not yet come. But it seemed like everything happened. It all came together. And there was a time when it all made perfect sense. Israel's in the land. Russia's an aggressor. Ezekiel says Russia's going to come down. And, it, you know, the scenario was so obvious And everybody was just sitting around waiting for it to happen. But then the geopolitical thing completely changed. And so it's like, oh, well, wait a second. And, you know, that that kind of thing has happened many times over. And so then we were looking for the the ten-nation confederation. And man, December 31st, 1999, the European Union... It all came together. And, and many thought, okay, this is it. Ten nations. But then it grew to 12 and 15 and 25. And it's like, oh, what happened there? So those are the kinds of details we don't really know. But we can look at the general picture. And I think Jesus expects us to do this. He said to the Pharisees, he rebuked them. He said, you know, you can read the weather, I'm paraphrasing, but that, that's basically what he said. You can read the weather, but you can't read the signs of the times. So Jesus expected them to be able to recognize him because they had understood from the scriptures that he would be coming. 
So I think that we should be able to also have an idea that we are, we're somewhere in that time frame where this could happen, but we just don't know exactly when it will all take place. But what we do know is we're still here. The world still needs Jesus. People need to get saved and society needs to get better because it's hell on earth for a lot of people. And so we as the church are here to bring people to Jesus and I think to be salt and light and to do our best to bring the kingdom into the dark places of the world. And I think for, for a lot of time when you know, a person had the, that mentality of, you know, the rapture's gonna happen anytime, gotta witness to as many people as possible, that's good. But there was never any thought about, well, what, what about these communities? What about these poor people? What about this and that? Because we didn't think so much in those terms because we thought, well, what the heck? Everything's gonna burn anyway. We're all gonna get out of here. We just gotta get as many people as we can. I don't think that's the, really the biblical picture of, of the way we're supposed to approach it. I think that there's plenty for us to do. And yes, of course, sharing the gospel is tantamount. But it's also bringing a taste of the kingdom, an experience of the kingdom into people's lives. I just got a text from my friend, Aaron Campbell. Aaron Campbell pastors in West Philadelphia. And he he pastors a church in the hood, basically. I mean, literally, people getting shot outside of his church on a weekly basis, complete insanity there. And he texted me and had a picture of a lady and her two sons, and he's trying to help them. Gangs are after them, drug dealers, and they're living in a place where the little boy's been eaten by rats and got, got, you know, marks on his body and all of this stuff. And Aaron's just reaching out and saying, hey, could you pray? You know, could you help out? And you think these are the places the church needs to bring the kingdom into. So there's plenty to do while we wait for Jesus to come back. And he will come back when he's good and ready to come. (laughs) Only he knows when that is. So by all means, let's be encouraged as we see the prophetic pieces come together. But let's not get neutralized because we're just thinking, oh, well, it's, you know, this is the end. And, and like I said, we just, we just have to be careful. Let's, we, we've got the big picture. And the details, God sort of leaves those to himself. So let's just lay hold of that big picture. This is what God's ultimately going to do. And thank God for it. But we're just going to be serving him until it all happens. January, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. 
For many, the new year brings with it new resolutions for change and the prospect for achieving previously unattained goals. But when the routines of life resume, resolutions rarely last beyond even the first few months of the year. The intent of becoming a better version of ourselves usually ends in failure. But if you're a Christian, you have the ultimate hope. Grace has the power to do what nothing else, not even resolutions, can do. Grace has the power to rescue you from you. Grace has the power to restore you to what God created you to be. Only God's grace has the power to produce lasting change within your life. In his book, 40 Days of Grace, Paul David Tripp provides powerful vignettes on the transforming power of God's grace. That is, the grace of God in the person of Jesus, who alone produces authentic, lasting change. This year, rather than resolutions, learn deeply about the transforming power of the grace of God. The book, 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp, is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Daniel. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.